a good move. Why'd you dance him? Dancing is forbidden. Running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden and Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. I am Ronnie, and on this podcast, I am watching through and talking about every Aqua Teen episode, one episode at a time. And since it's the end of the month, we are over here talking about the first of the Aqua Donk side pieces shorts, this one being The Return of Hand Banana. Ochata. The Return of Hand Banana airing April 18th, 2022, the first again of the Aquadonk side pieces to drop. This short based, of course, on Hand Banana from the fourth season, fifth episode titled Hand Banana, as well as Spaghetti, aka the Enforcer, the dog based on Carl's DNA. Now, we haven't covered Hand Banana on the podcast yet because we are only into season two. But I assume you have seen it. It is the highest rated episode on IMDb. I do not agree with that. Uh, I think there are way better episodes than Ham Banana, but it is what it is. This is the highest rated episode. Definitely one of the most shocking, one of the most, I guess, offensive Aqua Teen episodes. And why they decided to drop this one first, I have two speculations on that. One, I assume this was the first Aqua Donk that they made because to me, the audio seems a little off in spots. The characters' voices sound a little weird in terms of the recording. I also hear a lot of cuts in the voice editing and stuff. To me, it seems like they were kind of just testing the waters with this one. Also, because it only has the three main cast members doing voices. We have Carrie Means as Frylock, Dana Snyder as Master Shake, and then Dave Willis as Hand Banana, as well as Carl, as well as Meatwad. So they didn't have to bring in any guests for this one. It's just them kind of testing the waters. I assume that's true, but I don't know for sure. So I would think they put this one out first because it's like, hey, it only gets better from here. My second guess as to why they dropped this one first is that Ham Banana being the highest rated IMDb, they could assume that it's the most popular episode, and this is the one that would get the most eyes first, and then catch people, and then they would keep coming back and watching them throughout the next two weeks. Again, everything there is speculative, so don't think that I have any insider information. I don't, but, you know, just thinking about it, that's what made most sense to me. So as of this recording, we actually have the first five episodes, and this one is one of the few with all the Aqua Teen cast in it as well, including Carl. So that's another reason I think they would drop this one first, because it does have all the characters in it, so everyone's like, oh, hey, it's all the Aqua Teens, as opposed to if they just dropped, say, the the Frap Aliens one, that doesn't have any of the Aqua Teen characters in it, so people would just be like, you know, oh, what the heck, and then maybe wouldn't drum up as much excitement. But this one did. It got lots of excitement. And we're all very excited for the next five to drop. This information will quickly be outdated as of, you know, a week later. But Dave Willis did say in the comicbook.com interview that I, I talked about in the last podcast episode that there would be a second Ham Banana episode. Again, if it's just going to be Ham Banana or not, I don't know. We'll find out. And last year, Dave Willis also said that they were exploring what it would be like with Carl and Ham Banana in a, in a boring domestic relationship. Now... To me, that doesn't scream the episode we were talking about today. I don't see boring domestic relationship. To me, it would be like, oh, you know, they're just in a, they're married now or something. That to me sounds funny. This was not that. This more in line with the normal hand banana episode. So I don't know if that's going to be the next episode. I, you know, I don't know what to expect. So a week from now, we'll know. So I'm not going to keep dwelling on it. But all right, before we jump into the skit itself, 
I want to give you, you know, any Aqua Team news we have this week. Of course, there isn't any. Aquadonk side pieces is still going on. I wouldn't expect them to announce the movie right now. So yeah, just Aquadonk. It's coming out. We have one more week of it as of the release of this podcast episode. So really, just make sure you're watching the shorts. Make sure you're liking them on YouTube. They're all on YouTube. Make sure that you are commenting. Just anything you can do to feed the algorithm because that will make the video more popular. The higher-ups at Adult Swim, Cartoon Network, Warner Bros, whatever, they'll see this, they'll like it, and then we might get more Aqua Teen. So, you know, it's just boots on the ground right now. Just do anything you possibly can to get the count up on these because it will make a difference at some point. But okay, moving on to community stuff. Aaron Brown sent us in another voice message. This one for Universal Remonster. Unfortunately, that episode was out by the time that Aaron sent it. So let's listen to it now. Better late than never. Hey, it's me, Aaron, again. You last played a voice message from me on the episode Super Sirloin. I promised myself I wasn't going to do this again, but I had some thoughts on Universal Remonster and I wanted to, you know, sort of share them and bug you again. I noticed you were talking about how the Fargate had like sort of Egyptian symbols on it. I'm really surprised you didn't mention the Love Mummy. I mean, you know, maybe there's a connection unforetold from the Fargate to the Love Mummy that nobody ever thought of. You know, interesting fan theory idea. Hey, um, also, I actually slept on this episode when it first aired when I was, oh God, I was 13 when this aired. But I watched it recently with my roommate, who is kind of new to Aqua Teens, and she and I quote it all the time now. I think it's one of our favorites. Speaking of favorite episodes and the previous episode I commented on, Super Sirloin, I do have to agree with you. It was really repetitive. It was still a funny episode, but it was the least of the MCP Pants episodes. Once again, I like the Plutonians for a lot of the same reasons I like MCP Pants. They're just so stupid and convoluted and doing all these crazy shit to do like really mundane things. Other than that, I don't have much time left, but I wanted to congratulate you and your fiance on your marriage. I hope you have a beautiful, beautiful June wedding and I look forward to more from you. Aaron coming in hot with all sorts of good stuff to talk about. First of all, that Fargate love mummy connection is really brilliant because both are found in the crawl space. So yes, there's some sort of underlying Egyptian thread kind of going through this crawl space that we only visit a handful of times throughout the series. Really great connection there. I can't believe I didn't think of it because I even said, yeah, we went there in love mummy and then superhero and yeah, I didn't think of the connection there. Uh, obviously, no Egyptian connection to superhero, but maybe the drizzle gets his powers from some sort of Egyptian thing, too, that Shake didn't expand upon. Who knows? But yeah, Aaron says that she slept on Universal Remonster when it first aired. Similar to me, I didn't see it when it first aired, or I wasn't a fan around that time quite yet. I didn't get into Aqua Teen until 2004, 2005. But definitely something I slept on with the DVD. I, like I said, I never thought that one was particularly outstanding until watching it now as an adult. I really just appreciated it so much more. Aaron brings up how Super Sirloin is probably the weakest of the MCP Pants episodes, which of course, if you listen to my coverage of that episode, you know that I fully agree with that, that, you know, it just was repetitive. But again, it was still a great episode. You can't go wrong with the pee pants. And Aaron, I hope you've checked out the new MCP Pants Aquadonk side piece that came out. It's a fun time. Really like that one. They're doing something way different with that Aquadonk side piece that I'm just completely excited about and really looking forward to talking about on this podcast. 
Finally, Aaron gives some shout-outs to the Plutonians. I gotta agree, looking forward to their Aquadonk. It's not out yet as of this recording and as of when this podcast episode will come out, but it will be out next week. Really excited for that one. And last but not least, thank you, Aaron, for the for the wedding congrats, the marriage congrats. Looking forward to it. Pretty stressful, but I think it'll be a good time. It'll be good to see all my friends and family in one spot. I just hope those pesky Moonanites don't come down and start fucking around and messing everything up. But yes, thank you, Aaron, for the voice message. Of course, you are not bugging me. Thank you for sending it in. If you would like to send in your own voice message, check the show notes or head to speakpipe.com slash dancingisforbidden. But all right, that's it for our news, our community stuff. Let's see what Ham Banana is doing in 2022. This being the first Aquadong side pieces, I was a little surprised to see that there is no intro here. We just cut right into the scene. Which makes sense. They're shorts. Why would they have some sort of 30-second intro or something? Seems a little redundant and pointless for a three-minute in total video. But again, no intro, so nothing for us to really go over here other than jump right into the episode. So we open to the Aqua Teen's house, and Frylock comes outside. So when I first saw that, I was so excited, because I, I didn't know what to expect, obviously. I'm like, oh, is this just a Carl and Hammond in an episode? What is this? But no, Frylock is outside at the very beginning, the very first shot. He comes out. They have a mailbox in this shot. It's there sometimes. It's not there other times in the show. In season two, I don't know that we've really seen it so far up to this point, but I did check some other seasons, uh, just kind of skipping around, and it's there sometimes, sometimes it's not. So again, I don't know that we've seen it yet on the podcast proper but when we see it again i'll point it out just to uh, make sure but yes they have their mailbox outside it's got some bird poo poo on it that's all right frylock's checking the mail and then we see carl in his house looking out the window and we notice here he has some sort of necklace on and we'll get back to that it, it looks to be a gold or, or yellow necklace and carl sees frylock outside and he just sprints outside to talk to him so let's listen from there Hey, 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 Fryman. Hey, give me a Fryman. You got the mail? <laughs> so tell me what your kind of mail you got. Come on over. Let's have a conversation. You you start. That's weird, Carl. <laughs> you care about me? Of course I care about you. I'm always thinking about you. We're neighbors, man. We should talk way more than we do. Why? I'm interested suddenly. I don't really know what we have in common. So I'll see you. Wait, don't go. Don't go. Don't, don't, don't go. Don't go. Hang out. Hang out here. Shoot the breeze for a bit. We chit-chat. You know, I, I, I could be interesting. What's on your mind? Ladies, right? <laughs> Boobs. I'll see you. Wait, wait, don't go. <laughs> don't, don't. Do not go. Hang out. So Carl literally grabbing Frylock to get him to stay. So before we get to that, I want to point out the very beginning, we see Carl sprint outside. It's the funniest animation. Now, again, we haven't gotten that far in the show yet, so I don't know if we see that animation in the show proper, if it was done for Aquadonk, but just a delight to see him running. It looks so strange. Carl asks Frylock what kind of mail he's got. Frylock has a brown envelope that says time sensitive on it. Then there's a white envelope behind that, but we can't see what it says or anything like that. And you can hear Carl's just really struggling to keep Frylock's attention. He's like, all right, let's have a conversation. You start, <laughs> which is a lot of pressure for somebody to put on you. Frylock knows this is quite strange. Why does Carl want his attention so bad? Nobody knows. Frylock even says, oh, you care about me now? All this kind of stuff. So that's really it. We just see there's some big struggle going on. Carl is very desperate to be outside and talking to Frylock. And of course, knowing the title of the episode, we can kind of figure out why. Because if Hand Banana's in this one, we know Carl doesn't like being around Hand Banana. There's a gesture that Carl does a couple times too. He keeps kind of like pointing both of his fingers at his eyes to like, hey, look at me, look me in the eyes here, pay attention to me. But all right, moving on, Frylock is going to notice 
the necklace on Carl, and and Carl will say, "Excavate it from my chest hair," which is a great line. And then Frylock will pick it up, look at it, and see that it says, "To Carl, my one and only." And then it's signed HB. Now, the medallion is in the shape of hand banana, so instantly we know what's going on here. Let's jump into that super short clip real quick. Oh, is that a new medallion I see? Yeah. Excavate it from my chest here. To Carl, my one and only HB. Hand banana. All right, so yeah, now Frylock is up to speed. So Frylock, the audience... Carl, obviously, everyone's up to speed. We can kind of see what's going on here. They're laying the groundwork really quickly as they have to. These are only two, three minutes long. They don't have a whole lot of time to set things up, which is something we've already been seeing in the show. You know, in the first season, especially the first half of it, sometimes the setup was really slow. Second season, where we currently are in the podcast, they're getting much better about it, getting the characters into the action as quickly as possible. But in these Aquadong side pieces, they got to go, man. They're really testing what Dave and Matt have learned. How quickly can we get things going? And I'd say they're succeeding. We're into the action. Again, up to speed. We know it's a hand banana thing. So let's keep going with the Aquadong side piece here. And we see that Carl has turned his neck while Frylock was looking at the necklace. And we see a cut in his neck. And then he also hands Frylock a post-it note that says tracking chip in neck. And then we get a drawing of what is supposed to be Carl. It's a much more flattering Carl than he really is. He doesn't really look this good. But yeah, I guess Carl drew himself. That's how he sees himself. And there's an arrow pointing to the neck. And again, he's saying there's a tracking chip in my neck. Frylock is going to see that and read it out loud. And I'm a little surprised here. Pay attention to this clip because it's it's like Frylock is like he can't really read or something. You figure Frylock is such a genius. He's always reading and stuff that he shouldn't have a, uh, such a hard time kind of reading through this. He would kind of get it quicker. But it is what it is. Let's give it a listen. Tracking, track, tracking chip. We're just having a conversation, uh, you know, like neighbors, <laughs> like normal neighbors, right? So that's Carl passing Frylock a switchblade and then another post note that says, cut it out. So we see why Carl wanted to run up to Frylock so badly. He needs Frylock's help. Why Carl won't cut the tracking chip out himself, I'm not sure. I suppose just because, you know, that's so painful to do. It's hard to do that to yourself. It's easier to get somebody else to do it to you. But before Frylock can do anything, Hand Banana comes outside and we pan over to him. And we are seeing Hand Banana now in 2022, but this isn't the second time we've seen him. So besides his first appearance in his, you know, debut episode, Hand Banana, he does have a speaking role in the last episode, The Greatest Story Ever Told. However, between those, he does have a few cameos where he doesn't speak, but he, his name is either mentioned or they show him. For example, in the episode Egg Ball, the Aqua Teens get a pinball machine that's all, it's all Aqua Teen themed. So we see a hand banana there. In the episode 100, we see a Scooby-Doo version of hand banana. He makes an appearance in the Aqua Unit Patrol Squad 1 theme song slash video. And then, yeah, in the episode Zuccotti Manicotti, his name is mentioned. But this is the third time he's actually spoken. And, yeah, he was in the very last episode of Aqua Teen, and now he's the first one to come back for these Aquadong side pieces. And what's striking to me is how often this character was brought back in minor forms. Again, being shown on the pinball machine, being reanimated in the episode 100, everything I just mentioned. They kind of brought him back in all these fan servicey ways, even though he didn't show up until season four and he had that one episode, but he still proved to be someone they wanted to keep bringing back in one way or another, or at least, you know, giving a wink towards in one way or another. So it just proves how popular this character was, despite not being something like the Moon Knights or the Plutonians, who were constantly coming back every season, essentially, or, or coming into the movies and stuff. I don't think Hampton is in the movie at all. 
So yeah, just again, just surprising to me how how popular this character is. But I think it's just because he's in one of the most shocking Aqua Teen episodes. And then, as I said earlier, of course, Ham Banana voiced by Dave Willis, co-creator of the show. So let's jump in and see Ham Banana's reveal. He just opens the door, they pan over to him, and then Frylock tries to act like, oh, we weren't talking about Ham Banana, we're just talking about girls and their big boobs. Haha, <laughs> girls and their big boobs. Right, Carl? <laughs> Blink once if you're in trouble. They're just having a normal guy conversation, girls and their big boobs. And there's a nice little animation effect. I guess, you know, I'm kind of blown away by this because I'm so used to season two of the show. But Carl drops the knife and the post-it note, and the post-it note goes fluttering down, which is a nice touch. But yeah, Ham Banana's walking up. Let's jump back in. What's good, Fry Man? Let's crack a lack. We're just talking here, Ham Banana. I'm not telling him nothing. Time to come inside, Carl. Did you go where you a good boy? It's like a freaking <laughs> drug test here. I can't go. I can't go if you're watching, okay? Well, we don't want to have an accident on the rug like we did last night. Ooh. Ham Banana pointing at Carl in his infamous Tonight You stance and going, ooh. So it's revealed here that he's making Carl go to the bathroom outside, kind of reversing roles here because, you know, Ham Banana is a dog and he's making the human go outside. I really want to shout out the sound design here because we get like a, a booming bass noise as it keeps zooming in on Ham Banana's face, really cinematic. But all of that tension is about to get completely broken by Meatwad coming outside now. So, so excited, you know, to see our boy Meatwad back. He's carrying a tray of drinks. And we find out that he has horchata. He's offering everyone horchata. Horchata, it's, it's kind of hard to define because there's so many different versions of it. The version I'm familiar with is it's basically made from rice, vanilla, and cinnamon alongside sugar, of course. It's a very sweet, kind of rich drink, at least the version I'm familiar with. The version Meatwad is serving here, we see what I assume is a cinnamon stick poking out. We also have some cinnamon on top with, with sugar and cinnamon on top of that as well, it looks like. And it's served in a very festive looking mug, very fancy mugs from Meatwad here. So nice of him to make everybody horchata, which it, it takes a long time to make this stuff. So really impressed by Meatwad. It seems like he's been, you know, practicing his cooking since he was last on the air. This horchata being a big step up from the weenie smoothie we saw him make in Super Squatter. He, he's, he's evolved and graduated to other things. But what's revealed in this episode is that there is chocolate in the horchata. They will bring that up in the next clip, but I want to say horchata doesn't always have chocolate in it. I, in fact, I don't think I've ever had any with chocolate in it. But yeah, I mean, either way, good stuff. I don't think you could ever go wrong with it. And if you're ever at a liquor store, get some rum chata because, I mean, it's not the same thing, but it's a little similar. Very sweet, delicious alcohol. Check it out. But all right, let's listen to this scene. Let's see how it all plays out. Miwa's bringing out some horchata. Let's hear it. Who wants horchata? Oh, I think Ham Banana wants some horchata. <laughs> Set it right here in front of me. Horchata. <laughs> I know a whore named Chata. <laughs> I didn't. I tried to make something funny there. What's <laughs> China? Mexican hot chocolate. Chocolate kills dogs. <laughs> you son of a... So that's Ham Banana seemingly dying, and he says, Oh, it's Mexican hot chocolate. Horchata isn't Mexican hot chocolate. Again, I'm sure you could make like a hot chocolate version of it, but that's not inherently what it is. And again, it's hard to define it because there's just so many different variations. But but yeah, still though, it does work because you can put chocolate in it. You can make it hot chocolatey if you would like. And yeah, Ham Banana started eating some 
and he's dying now. He's foaming at the mouth. But I, I do really want to point out, I mean, you heard me laugh there at that joke Carl tries to make. He's like, ooh, I knew a whore named Chada. But then he's like, ah, no, I didn't. I just tried to make a joke there, but it didn't work. <laughs> I feel like we've all been in that position at some point. You hear something and you're like kind of paying attention and you, and you try and spin it into a joke, uh, something that is just not funny. Nobody laughs and you're like, fuck, I tried to do it, but it didn't work out. Apologies. And I like I like seeing Carl be humble here. Maybe it's because he's just on edge because Ham Banana's right there. So jumping back in, Hambanet is on the ground and Carl is about to run to the Aqua Teen's house, but it doesn't go so smoothly. As soon as Carl starts to run towards the house, he steps over the property line and he starts to get electrocuted. Hurry to the house, Carl! <laughs> it wasn't a medallion at all. It was a shark collar. So that Carl animation is just insanely hilarious of him getting electrocuted. It looks so bizarre. It's almost like a cursed thing to me. It just looks so weird. And then I started laughing there because we see the Aqua Teens are just watching Carl get electrocuted. They're not really helping him. I guess there's nothing they can do. But they're just standing there watching him kind of calmly while he gets electrocuted and is screaming. But yeah, as Frolic points out, it was a shock collar that was that necklace that Ham Banana gave Carl. And... I mean, anybody here who has any experience with an electric fence knows that you don't get electrocuted like this. I mean, dogs can run through electric fences all the time because they just have to run over it and then they're basically fine. And some dogs will learn that. They'll be like, hey, I can run past the fence and then I, I stop getting shocked. So it's fine. Just endure a little bit of uncomfortableness or, or pain or whatever. And then you're good to go. So, you know, obviously the whole notion of this is crazy anyways, because electric fence does not electrocute you that much. But yeah. Uh, Carl just gets stunned, I guess, in, in the in the fence's threshold, and he's electrocuted the entire time. And then Carl falls down, and then Ham Banana's fine again, which this part I don't really understand. He just gets back up, and he's like, okay. And then he calls in the Enforcer, which is, you know, Spaghetti, the dog that Carl made in the Ham Banana episode of himself, to, to take care of Ham Banana for him, but then... Spaghetti ends up not doing that. But yeah, uh, Spaghetti's back. It's just Carl's voice, obviously, voiced by Dave Willis here. Let's give it a listen. Enforcer, get out here. I want to be called Spaghetti. All right, Spaghetti, whatever. <laughs> just help me drag the meat back to the house. Carl now on fire, and I'm so disappointed that it's not the classic Space Ghost Coast to Coast campfire fire on his back. It's a, it's a new kind of fire effect, but still, Spaghetti comes out to help Ham Banana drag Carl, aka the meat, back into the house. Spaghetti is just like one of the funniest designs I've ever seen on TV, because it's just Carl as a dog. It has like Carl's legs and the flip-flops and everything as all four dog legs. Just really, really funny. And I wish we could have gotten more from Spaghetti. I really liked his interactions with Carl in the Ham Banana episode. But of course, as you can tell, I'm trying not to talk too much about the Ham Banana episode because we will talk about it eventually on the podcast. So I don't want to give too much away right now. Oh, ain't there nothing we can do for our good buddy Carl? Someday he's going to realize that he's better off single and not in a relationship with a dog. So Miwa wants to help Carl here. And then Frylock is like blaming Carl. Doesn't make sense to me because... Carl wanted to get out of it, it seems like. He's being held captive, and he essentially told Frylock. So I don't know why Frylock is suddenly like, oh, yeah, he needs to learn. Um, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense there. Again, I'm still just confused why Ham Banana was dying one second, supposedly. I mean, he was foaming at the mouth and everything. But then he's fine again. I, I just don't get that. But, you know, they have two minutes to play with here, so they can't really explain a whole lot. They just got to keep things moving. So we had Meatwad and Frylock there, Horchata's in hand, and now at the very end of the episode, Shake is about to make his appearance, you know, his first appearance in however many years, 
He comes out, he's upset. Nobody blew the horchata horn and let him know that there's horchata. I mean, come on, Meatwad. I, I appreciate you made the horchata, but you gotta blow the horn, dude. You gotta blow the horn. Let's give it a listen. You made horchata? And you didn't blow the horchata horn to alert me? <laughs> <laughs> Did I not tell you what the horn was for? Why do you think I paid for horchata horn lessons in the first place? That is Shake playing the horchata horn while the credits roll at the very end there. And basically, yeah, Shake comes out. He's holding this long horn, the horchata horn, similar to an alp horn, which is one of those long, very long horns that ends up on the ground at the very end and then it kind of tapers up where the opening is one of those very long horns and there's a little flag on it the flag is a blue and white checker pattern with a cup of horchata on it and then two swords crossing behind it so very regal very official looking i can't believe that shake is in possession of something so fancy but apparently he's been practicing because he bangs out a tune on it i can't complain one bit I want to point out that while Shake is blowing the horchata horn, the pressure from the blowhole, I suppose it's called, or whatever, it blows the whipped cream off of Meatwad's horchata and it plops onto his head, which is a funny little animation there. And then Frylock and Meatwad go inside while Shake is playing the horn. And it's surprising here, like I said, that Shake doesn't know that they made horchata because it's a long process. You think he would have uh, picked up on that at some point that it was happening. Unless they have maybe like pre-made horchata or something and Meatwad just, just poured it and maybe warmed it up, or it's not warm, I don't know, but he put whipped cream on it and everything. Maybe Shake missed that process, I don't know. And then real quick here to discuss the end credits, obviously we won't do this every single time, but they're all squished together. So they fly by really quick, they're all squished together. We can't really read it, you have to pause it to kind of read it, and even then it's difficult. And behind that, it's kind of zooming in on some sort of painted landscape in the background. It's a purpley, reddy, mountainscape or something. I'm not really sure what this is supposed to be referring to or referencing. Maybe they'll kind of show it at in, in the last Aquadonk side piece episode. I don't know. Seems pretty random to me, but that's what it is. But yeah, back to the credits again. It's frustrating for me because I'm trying to see who did what here and who's returning, and it's really hard, harder than it needs to be, but hey, that's all right. I don't see Ben Prisk here who did the cybernetic ghost backgrounds as well as just like the normal show's end backgrounds, so he didn't draw that to my knowledge. And I'm also not seeing Bob Pettit here who did the other backgrounds, so yeah, the, both of those guys aren't involved. What I am seeing here, though, is Bento Box, which they are doing the film Dave Willis mentioned, and they also do Bob's Burgers and stuff like that. So, yeah, we've got Bento Box involved in this as well as the film, although I want to point out it's been mentioned many times that the film is going to look a little bit more refined. It's going to look a little bit better than these shorts do. These shorts are just, you know, the classic Aqua Teen look. The film is supposed to be a little bit updated. Now, how exactly that will be, I don't know. We haven't seen anything from the film. We, have, we, don't, we don't even know its name or anything yet, so... You know, I can't give a whole lot of information, but I do want to point out it's the same production company, it seems, but, you know, they're just kind of reusing Aqua Teen assets here as opposed to updating things like they will for the movie. So, all right, that is the Ham Banana episode covered. Now to move on to, like, my thoughts, my general thoughts on it, how I liked it. I can't let the novelty of it influence my thinking, because it being the first one, of course, I was happy to see the boys back, but after getting four more of these now, I can kind of look at this one more objectively. Now, obviously, we haven't talked about those other four on the podcast yet, but I just want to say, like, I'm not going to be like 10 out of 10 because the Aqua Teens are back. Yay! Because I I mean, honestly, I don't want to say I was let down by this one. I had a smile on my face the entire time. I was so happy to see these characters back, of course. 
But Ham Banana is not really a character I care about. And more so, the, my bigger problem with this episode, or the short or whatever, is that it didn't really do a whole lot to further the Aqua Teen universe. I thought we were going to see what the characters were up to, but really, it's like we're just dropped back into a, to another th- episode of Aqua Teen, like nothing changed since 2015. And that, to me, was a little underwhelming, because Dave Willis had said that there's going to be an episode with Ham Banana and Carl, and they had settled into a boring domestic life. And that, to me, sounded hilarious. And that's not what this was. Again, I don't know if that one is coming or if, if you know, Dave just explained it in a way that I derived something else from it. I don't know. But to me, again, this is just like like a, a deleted scene from a Ham Banana episode or something. It, it, it doesn't really further anything for me. I could have assumed that this is what would happen. And by that, I mean, like, with Ham Banana. Like, yeah, Carl tries to run away and he can't. Like, that's not really anything new to me. And I feel comfortable saying this to you because I know that I did like the other Aquadonks a lot more because they did more of what I was expecting Aquadonk to do, which was give us a new look at things or present something in a new way or just show us what the characters were up to. Seeing Carl just get pulled back into the house by Ham Banana, I feel like it didn't need an episode about that because you can assume that's what was going to happen. I really like the idea of Carl and Ham Banana being in a relationship together because we could have explored this whole new side to Carl. He's in a relationship and like having just some sort of squabble that way to me sounded more interesting. It sounded like it expanded things a bit more, presented it in a new light like I was saying. Instead, we just get more Ham Banana stuff, which like it doesn't even matter if I liked the original Ham Banana episode or not. It'd be the same thing as if they brought back Romulox and he's just got a PDA again or something. You know what I mean? It's just like, okay, yeah, that, that, it's it's nice to see everyone back, but this didn't really do anything new. So that's how I feel about this one. I got to give this one two and a half out of five time-sensitive envelopes. As you can tell, I just wasn't blown away. And, and that's fine because the other ones I really did enjoy a lot more. Of course, I'm so happy to see our characters back. I like the parts with the Aqua Teens, but just the whole Ham Banana thing, like I've already said this entire time, it's just nothing new to me and nothing particularly interesting. So yeah, that's it for that one. Uh, not like a triumphant return, but the episodes, in my opinion, do get a lot better. And, and again, I think that shows that this was probably the first one they did because the other ones, they just kind of did more interesting things with it. So, and that's totally fine. Maybe some people like Ham Banana and they're so happy to see him back. And it's not like I specifically dislike him or anything like that, but I, I, I've already explained myself so much here. I don't want to keep repeating myself. And don't worry, this this whole Aquadonk coverage isn't going to be me like, oh, I didn't like this one because this is the only one I really didn't like. And even then, it was still fine. Like, obviously, I'm glad we have it. I'd rather have it than not have it. But the other ones, like I already said, they they met my expectations more and did more of what I expected them to do with Aquadonk. So the other ones, I'll be more excited to talk about. This one, it just seemed kind of rough, them finding their feet with how to do these super short episodes. And again, glad we have it, but not something I see really returning to. That's all right, though. So if you liked this episode of Aquadong Side Pieces or you didn't like this episode of Aquadong Side Pieces, feel free to let me know. Check the show notes for all sorts of ways to get in contact with me. Love to talk about it with you. And if this is your first time listening, because I suppose some people might be finding this just by searching for Aquadonk side pieces. If you like this kind of discussion I had around the episode, I'm doing this for the full Aqua Teen episodes. We are into season two now as of this recording. We're halfway through it. And I go more into depth of what was going on at that time period. For example, what music was popular, what films were popular, all that stuff. I didn't really feel like that was necessary to do for the Aquadonk side pieces because... These episodes came out the week that I'm recording this, so to me it seems just like, 
yeah, what's popular right now? I don't know. Not as exciting to talk about because there's no nostalgia there. If it's really important to you that I cover that, let me know. If, if, if a bunch of you want me to do that, I can. But, you know, it's like, just turn on the radio and you'll hear the popular stuff. Like, what's the point of bringing it up now? But yeah, let me know. And just thank you to all the patrons who support this podcast. Thank you to you for listening. Special shout out to Sean, Ian, Josh, Keenan, Hope to Dope, Captain Buford, and Brian for being super supporters of this show, helping to keep this show afloat. You guys can blow my horchata horn any day of the week. If you would like to get in contact with me, other fans of the podcast, other fans of Aqua Teen, or if you're just looking for a spot to discuss the Aqua Donk side pieces as they drop, check the show notes. We have a Discord. You can come talk, and I'll see you all next week when we cover Season 2, Episode 12, Total Recarl. Bye-bye. Torchada.